Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. The Estate is released every Wednesday and brought to you absolutely free. But if you want early access to next week's episode and ad-free listening, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus. For more information, check out tenderfootplus.com. Enjoy the episode. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the podcast author or individuals participating in the podcast and do not represent those of Tenderfoot TV, Sonoro, or their employees. This podcast also contains subject matter which may not be suitable for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. Previously on The Estate. Who was the actual killer? And when I say, I don't know. The whole church, everybody believed that we did this before we even had a chance. What was it like for somebody who was Black or who was Mexican? One word. Hard. It's not impossible. A decade after Tony's murder, Calvin and Dad are on trial. And here's the thing. That's actually super rare. Most cases don't go to a trial. But when they do, it's a knockdown, dragout fight. As a lawyer, I had one trial my entire career. And I was terrified. It's nerve-wracking. Because the stakes are so high. In theory... Trial is the ultimate form of justice. In this country, we venerate trials by jury. We love them. We love the drama. It's in the movies. It's in our fucking constitution. You have a judge who's like an umpire. They make sure there's no bullshit, that both sides are playing by the rules. Then you have the jury, a group of unbiased individuals who will weigh the merits of the case. And in the end, after both sides duke it out, the jury gives the verdict. A definitive statement on what happened and who's to blame. Beyond a reasonable doubt. But that's not what happened here. From Sonoro in partnership with Tinderfoot TV, I'm Alex Estrada, and this is The Estate. Given the intense publicity of the case, 
the trial was moved out of town to a place called Placer County, a white, conservative, insular county in Northern California that to this day commemorates its history of public lynchings. On a little corner, there's a simple plaque. You could almost miss it. Historical landmark, site of first public hanging area and graveyard, July 4th, Independence Day. Hold on, is that 18? 1894, dedicated July 4th, 1898. This memorial to public hangings was the backdrop for Calvin and Rosie's trial in the murder of Tony Virgilio. Two minorities accused of killing their white business partner. For Calvin, this wasn't a subliminal message. It was an explicit one. That this was not his town. And it's here where the wheels really start to come off for Rosie and Calvin. During the trial, they made the trek to and from Placer County daily a two-hour drive each way. Calvin says every time he got to Placer, he felt uneasy. It was a small town, and I would eat lunch at the counter, and I would be dressed, you know. And this lady came up to me that worked in a courthouse and said, oh, you must be the attorney for Mr. Jones. Calvin was out on bail, and on that particular day, he was at a nearby diner sitting at the lunch counter, dressed in a full suit. And I told the lady, no, I am Mr. Joe. And she almost like fainted, right? Like, how could you be on trial, not in jail, in handcuffs? How can you be sitting at this table? Calvin says local newspapers published all kinds of things that weren't true. Like how the courthouse had increased security because of the high-profile and dangerous defendant, Calvin Jones. They had never seen that before, a black person on going to court, not being handcuffed and all that. I mean, just the fact that I couldn't be out on bail. I had to be the attorney. If I was a black man up there, I must be the attorney for me. <laughs> so I kind of knew that I was in trouble. Race has been looming in the background of this entire investigation, but it isn't until now that it takes center stage in the jury selection. Patricia Kaiser, the deputy district attorney who filed the charges, is out of the case. And taking her place is a young and relatively inexperienced prosecutor, Yule Blancet. One afternoon, Blancet is talking to Rosie and tells him about a case he had a few years back. A case that he lost because, according to him, the people of color on the jury voted to acquit the defendant, who was black. Since then, he learned his lesson about having minorities in the jury. Rosie was alarmed by those comments and decided to bring it up to the judge, taking the stand to share the encounter. This scene has been recreated based on court transcripts. Okay, everybody, all right. Everyone settle down, please. Mr. Estrada, I hear you. I hear you. Now let's give a chance for Mr. Blancet to respond. Blancet, I'm sure you want to deny these allegations Mr. Estrada brought forth, correct? Well, no, Judge. Uh, I mean, I did say something along those lines. I'm, I'm not going to deny that the exchange didn't take place, but uh, 
I just didn't mean it like that. I'm sorry, what? Uh, yes, the statement was taken out of context. I, I, I didn't mean anything. Please explain, Mr. Blancet. I understand you say that the question or the statement to Mr. Estrada meant nothing, but it had to mean something. It was intended for some purpose, wasn't it? Right. And what was that purpose? The purpose for my saying it, uh, uh, essentially, uh, was to get a rise out of Mr. Estrada. That was the sole reason for doing it. We, we were sitting there joking around with each other. He seemed to be a, a little concerned about uh, who our jurors were going to be and, and how this thing was going to come out. And, you know, we were just sitting there joking with each other. It was just a conversation in which I thought two people were uh, having a good time talking. For Blancet, this was just a joke. Something to laugh about. Today he's retired and still lives in Stockton. He refused to sit down with us in person, but did talk to us on the phone. When we asked Yule about this interaction, he simply denied it. I have no recollection whatsoever of talking to Calvin Jones and your dad outside of the court. And secondly, I would not have done so. Granted, this happened almost 40 years ago. So we told Blancet what was said in the court transcript to help jog his memory. Here's Angelina. But you, it was a part of the court record that you did say that you said something that could be interpreted, even out of context or whatever, as striking jurors based on race, but that you had meant it in jest. So if the court now, wanted... Now, first of all, I was very familiar with Wheeler. I had a list and one day I thought, you know, I should find that list. That would Yule went on like this for a while, but ultimately he stuck to his story. That the exchange in the court transcripts, it never happened. And as we dove deeper, it only got worse. That's coming up after the break. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Ewell Blanton is one of the few people still alive who is directly involved in the prosecution of Rosie and Calvin. And after speaking with him on the phone, it was clear. 
His recollection of the case is hazy. He denied ever speaking to Rosie about striking jurors based on race. But according to court records, this wasn't the only time where his treatment of race raised a red flag. It's April, 1983, almost a decade after Tony Virgilio's murder. Jury selection has been going on for a few days now. The process is going smoothly until it's Yul Blancet's turn to question prospective jurors. He's pacing around in front of a desk as a black woman sits on the stand. Now, Ms. Bachelor, I'm gonna start with you because you're in the front. And I'm unfortunately going to have to ask you another question that I won't be asking all the other jurors. In this case, uh, Mr. Jones is a black man and you're a black woman. Mr. Tribble from my office tried a case recently. A, a black man was charged with a crime. When the verdict was rendered, it was 11 to 1 for conviction. And that one black person held out for an acquittal in a case where there was a black defendant. Mr. Blancet? The judge cuts in and doesn't allow Blancet to carry on with his question. He asked the juror to leave the courtroom. Mr. Blancet, I would like to hear what the question would have been before the interruption. Your Honor, my question to the juror would be the following. Is there anything about your race that is going to come between convicting Mr. Jones? Uh, if the facts in this case indeed prove Mr. Jones is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. With all due respect, I think it's a dangerous seat. I just can't imagine that you would not be concerned how other jurors would react to that kind of a preface. And moreover, how this juror would feel when you have literally accused her, if not explicit, implicit, of being a person who has the potential of acquitting somebody simply because of some racial prejudice. I cannot imagine, Mr. Blancet, that you would not think of that. It astounds me. It astounds me. Do you want some comment? No, I will not permit you to finish that question, nor to relate to the jury the past experience of any other black juror in any other case. Well, then, perhaps the court in its omniance. I'm assuming what Blancet was trying to say was omniscience, the state of all-knowing. But the judge wasn't so sure. Mr. Blancet, what do you mean by omniance? In your all-knowing, Your Honor, the... You seem to be well aware of the kind of questions that can or cannot be asked in this particular area. I find your comments to be contemptuous. I hereby find you in contempt of court. You will be here tomorrow at 9 o'clock, and you will have a representative from your office with you, someone that's higher than you are. What he's doing is bad. It's singling out a juror based on their race. And this was so out of bounds, the judge threw Blancet out of court. Essentially, the judge said, hey, Blancet, you're in trouble and I need to speak to your boss. The DA's office has to send Deputy District Attorney Alvin Norris. P.S. Alvin Norris is now Patricia's ex-husband. I told you, it's a small town. Alvin Norris goes into the courtroom the following day to appear on the matter.
My dad always told me he was set up. When he talked about the trial, he said how unfair it was. And now I'm starting to realize there are facts to back that up. The jury selection feels almost illegal. And my dad said while it was happening, he just sat there, powerless. But he tried to have his attorney ask for a new jury. Yeah, but that request was denied. Even with all of this, the comments from Yule, him being found in contempt of court, all of that. And still, they move forward with picking an all-white jury. And for Calvin, before the trial even started, that was the nail in the coffin. So let's talk about the trial. Okay. How... Describe to me how you felt. I know I was going to get convicted. How did you know? Just the, the people that was on the jury. All white people. When Calvin sat in that courtroom, looked at the jurors and saw only white faces, he knew he wasn't going to have a fair trial. You got to remember, the biggest issue with this is that a black and a brown was accused of killing a white person. That's taboo in this country. This idea isn't anything new. Racism and the complex, troubled relationship between white people and people of color is a core piece of American history. And part of that has been the portrayal of Black men as savages preying on innocent white people. From Nat Turner to the Central Park Five and beyond, the media has stoked this fear. That's our history. You know, you don't look at white women. A white person died, and they sat at the hands of a black and a brown back in them days. Even today, that's off limits. <laughs> now, that was a real factor why I got convicted. Calvin believes that racism was the primary motivation behind his conviction, that the all-white jury in a town known for the noose saw the black man before them as a heartless monster and found him guilty based on that perception. And drawing from my own experience, on things I have studied and learned and experienced in my own life, I don't think that's a stretch. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. 
You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com slash Therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com slash Therapy60. Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. The prosecution presents Tony as a man desperate to get away from his violent and crooked partners. But if we look solely at the evidence, the prosecution's case is circumstantial. There's nothing tying Calvin or Rosie directly to the murder. That is, until Cleon Weaver, the drug informant, takes the stand. He testifies that he had a close relationship with Calvin, that they hung out a lot in the summer of 79. Weaver tells the jury that on more than one occasion, Calvin said that he and his Spanish partner had Tony Virgilio killed. Well, we was, we was riding one day, and uh, Mr. Jones, my, my nephew and myself, and he, he, he said he was waiting on some money from an insurance policy. And I, and I, said, I said, what insurance policy? What you, what you getting some money from an insurance company for? And he said, well, well, me and three guys, we, we own this construction company. And I said, oh, that's nice. And he said, he said, one day, you know, we all went in, we put up $300 worth of insurance on each other and, and, and made each other the, the, the beneficiary. And I said, oh, cool, cool. And he said, one day, one day that, 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 that they all had a meeting and, and they wanted to meet someplace. And, and he know one of the guys, you know, he was very punctual. He would, he would always be there on time. And. And so when he got there, then, then one guy come up dead. You know, he, he was shot, in other words. And he told me, if you, if you ever need anybody killed, I can get that for you. And I said, no, no, I, I, can, I can handle my own, just, you know, just like that. This sounds bad, I know. But just a few reminders here. Cleon was working with the police. He was the informant who helped set up the drug sting on Calvin, which, remember, was a total failure. It's also important to know that when Cleon testified, he was out on bail while facing drug charges of his own. But if Calvin did say this, Calvin's big mouth is the reason why there's a case at all. Yeah, but that's a big if. There's no recording. No one's corroborating this. It's more hearsay. Also, the prosecution's entire theory was in the newspaper. Anyone could have read the headlines and said this. 
Even with Cleon's testimony, not everything is smooth sailing for the prosecution. When Cleon says Spanish partner, that's too broad. It's not enough to identify Rosie. Ultimately, the prosecution decides to drop the charges against Rosie. Here's Blancet again. I called my office and explained what was going on in the case, and I was told to dismiss against your dad uh, at that point, and that's why it was done. And just as quickly as it started, Rosie, at least legally, is a free man. His attorney, Richard Hirsch, remembers his reaction to the news. I arrived in court on Monday morning, and the DA told me they were dismissing the case against your dad, and I was elated. And I sat with him and I said, Rosie, I've got good news for you. Uh, They're dismissing your case. He says, I object. I want to be found not guilty by a jury. So I said, well, (laughs) I said, have a good time. I'm going home and I'll see you around. It wasn't enough for him to just be dropped. Knowing my dad, he wanted his day in court. He wanted complete exoneration, which sort of floored his defense attorney. I don't know. I I don't know if he was deluding himself or if he was, I mean, it just wasn't a smart thing to say, you know. I mean, I would have been so elated. He just, he thought he wanted to clear his record and run for, you know, for office in, in Stockton. Who knows? I don't know what he wanted to do. But that was not the reaction that I would have expected. Honestly... I get it. I would have fought to clear my name, too. The DA, the police, and the media painted my dad as the guy that was responsible for Tony's murder. For years. He wanted a chance to say outright that the case was bullshit. In the end, he didn't even get that. Yule Blancet went on to have a long career at the San Joaquin County's DA's office, where he eventually became a supervisor in the homicide unit. And he says, if he was in charge back then, maybe Rosie would never have been brought to trial at all. So, you know, there's been a lot of developments uh, since uh, the case. And as I said, uh, being supervisor in the homicide unit where I had to develop cases against people and decide who got charged and who didn't. Who knows? Maybe your dad would never have been charged under my as the standards that I developed. My dad always said that he didn't go to prison because there wasn't enough evidence against him. And it turns out my dad was telling the truth. I can't say that I'll ever be 100% satisfied when it comes to dad's involvement in this entire saga. But... I am at least relieved to say he wasn't found guilty. I wouldn't be here otherwise. Yeah, but that still leaves one man on the hook for Tony Virgilio's murder. Your dad's best friend, Calvin Jones. I knew once Rosie was dropped from the trial and we didn't follow the normal procedure of saying, okay, let's start over. Let me pick my jury. Kelvin wanted to get a new trial, a new jury, essentially a do-over. But that didn't happen. I know I was in trouble because the judge made those rulings. 
like what's admissible, you could get the feeling, you know you got problems. Did you ever have hope that you were not going to get convicted? Uh, well, you always have hope. Always have hope, you know. But realistically, I understood that the possibility was great that I would be convicted. When my father was dropped from the case, Calvin lost a brother. And soon, he would be betrayed by another. Cleon Weaver's story isn't the only testimony used against Calvin. A former friend takes the stand and tells a damning story that helps put him in prison. That's next time on The Estate. The Estate was produced by Sonoro in partnership with Tinderfoot TV. Hosted by me, Alex Estrada and Angelina Mosier-Salazar. Reported by Angelina Mosier-Salazar. Investigated by Angelina Mosier-Salazar, Alex Estrada, and Evelyn Uribe. Written by Angelina Mosier-Salazar and Alex Estrada. With help from Evelyn Uribe and Carlos Arenado. Edited by Ross Terrell and Jasmine Romero. Fact check by Sarah Moda and Evelyn Uribe. Mix and sound design by Manuel Parra and Daniel Padilla. Engineering by Josh Hahn, Sam Baer, and Brett Tubin at the Relic Room in New York City. Original music by Ernesto Aguirre. Our theme song is by Marcus Bagala. Executive produced by Alex Estrada. From Sonoro, executive producers are Joshua Weinstein and Camila Victoriano. From Tenderfoot TV, executive producers are Donald Albright and Payne Lindsay. Special thanks to Lisa Pollock, Sarah Boannon, Christian Yatar, Rodrigo Crespo, Carmen Graterol, and Adriana Broger 